Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. It's great to be here. Welcome if you're new, if you're visiting. We had a lady, she came for the first time in the first service. I was talking to her after, and she's like, uh, everything that happened in the service, the worship, the in-betweens, the words and the preach itself, it spoke to her exactly, exactly what she needed. And we do believe that every time we come, no matter what words, even to stories like where God blesses people like Caroline, preach or worship or just a single word or a single action, God can speak to our hearts and he will always, always do this. We know that the last couple of weeks, God has been synergizing, if you want, our services, services together so well. And trust us, we don't, we, we plan the services, but we don't say, do this so I can do this. It just, I think there's a great synergy in our team and we're really, really a great team, being part of a great church. I enjoyed being here. So we are in this series, Synergy, speaking of synergy. And if you remember last week, Adam was speaking about Joseph, and he was reminding us about a magazine that was around when he was younger, uh, <laughs> called, <laughs> called Wizard and Chips. Wizard and Chips. And in this magazine, there was a comic strip called Good News, Bad News. If you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, just listen to it on the podcast, okay? It's brilliant. So Adam tells us that this is basically Joseph's life, right? Uh, good News... Is his his dad's favorite. Bad news, his father, uh, his brothers hate him for that. Good news, he gets a cloak that is colorful. Bad news, his brothers decide to kill him. Good news, they change their minds. Bad news, they sell him in slavery. Good news, he somehow manages to go up in the ranks in slavery. Bad news, his uh, boss's wife likes him. Good news, <laughs> he stands his ground. Bad news, he goes to prison for it. Good news, he somehow becomes the leader there. Bad news, they forget about him and let him rot in prison. And so on until eventually there is some good news. He does something with his life. He becomes basically the second in the whole empire of Egypt. And now he's good. He became an Egyptian in in many ways. He assimilated the culture, the language, the way he dresses, the way he acts and everything. And uh, he meets his brothers. That's where Adam left us last last week. So his brothers are in front of him. And... uh, this is where we're at until now. Okay, they speak. Joseph does understand them, but he pretends he doesn't understand. He doesn't really want to reveal his identity to them. He just listens to see what they're saying and tests their motives and their hearts. And basically, Joseph is hiding in plain sight in front of his brothers because his brothers are there because they want food and stuff like this. Can I have that? And today I want to speak about uh, conflict. I want to speak because... The thing of synergy is the power of healthy relationships. And we know that in every relationship, there's, there is at some point some conflict. Uh, it's, I would say, unavoidable. But the question is how we deal with that conflict. How, how, what do we do when this happens? And that we look at three types of uh, people that are involved in conflict, three types of persons. We look at Joseph, we look at his brothers, and then we look at Jacob, who is the third sort of party in, uh, involved in a conflict. But before that, I just want to read chapter 45, some verses quickly, so you have the whole context of what I'm going to speak about. From Genesis 45, 
Then Joseph, so he finally is with his brothers, he would no longer hide, and he's like, could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So Noah stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near me, please. And they came near, and they said, he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold in Egypt. Verse 25, so they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart, Jacob's heart, became numb, and he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw all the wagons and what Joseph had sent to carry, his spirit, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Jacob, Israel, said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I'll go and see him before I die. So his brothers sort of go back to their father, and after they meet Joseph, that's sort of the bookends of our story today. And as I said, I want to speak about conflict and mainly how to deal with conflict. And I'll speak about the three types of people. We'll look at Joseph's attitude and what he did. We'll understand uh, some things. Then his brothers, what they do, and then Jacob. So the first, first type of person I want to look at is the one that is offended. You know, in every conflict, there is someone that is offended. The, it's inevitable. That's why we call it a conflict, because someone, <laughs> someone is either upset or someone is either hurt. And... We know as well, as I said, that Joseph, the one that has been offended for all this time, ups and downs, good, good news and bad news, he was probably making the head of, the, uh, <laughs> of that magazine that Adam was reading when he was younger. It was all about Joseph's life. So it was ups and downs, and he was there. But what Joseph did is that he was hiding in plain sight, as I said. He was not only hiding himself, but he was also hiding the feelings or emotions or some hurt that he stored up for 23 years in his life. We know Deborah told us he was in slavery for 23 years. He was there. So for 23 years, he obviously didn't see his brothers. He did forgive them. We know that very well. But there were still some things stored up inside his heart because he was the offended one. So Joseph was so good at hiding in plain sight that his brothers didn't even recognize him. He was speaking Egyptian. He was looking like an Egyptian. And he assimilated the whole culture, culture of Egypt. He was like an Egyptian boss, if you want. So his brothers, even when he was talking to them, they could not sense that he has a certain accent, as you would notice with me, for example, when I speak. I could not hide in plain sight, because you would understand that I'm not an English. I can dress like an English. I could try even to look like one. Uh, that's hard as well for me, anyway. But when I start to speak and talk to you in English, you already understand that something is off, namely, <laughs> namely, my, namely my accent. But Joseph was better than me in these things. He knew how to hide in plain sight. The way he was talking, the way he was behaving, his posture and everything else. But while he was hiding, he didn't want to show weakness to the others. We know, as Adam told us, many times he was going in a different room to weep and to cry. When he saw his brothers, he was playing the strong guy role. He was performing in front of them. But then he was going in a different room to cry and to basically, I don't know, release his feelings. But this time, he did something differently. And I, I want us to look at four things that Joseph did. And the first one is that he did reveal his heart to his brothers. 
So Joseph could not, could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the house of the Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? <laughs> so, so he was hiding, hiding, and all of a sudden said, I decided I'll reveal my true identity. ta like Sophia did. And uh, I'm here now. This is me. I'm Joseph. But his brothers were a bit like shocked, right? But what Joseph did is that even if he was the hurt one, even if he was the one that has been wronged, even after storing up inside himself so many emotions and sadness and pain, he chose to reveal his heart to his brothers. And he did this by, first of all, he said, make everyone go out from me. He didn't want the whole Egypt to be there while he solves issues with his brothers. And the first thing we can learn from this is that if there are, there's conflict in our lives, it may be spouse, children, someone at work, we, you deal it between you and that person or those people in, in Joseph's case. He wanted to make sure that he would be alone with them. He didn't want to expose them. But the, 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 why we want to deal with conflict is to build up people, not to expose them. And this is what Joseph did. When he revealed his heart, he revealed his heart in an environment where his brothers would feel safe. Where even if they had issues, even if they wronged him, even if they did all those things, he still wanted to do it between him and them. He didn't ask the whole, whole Egypt to go, each one of them, one of them on the Facebook account, one of them on Twitter, one of them on Instagram, one of them on, and so on, on LinkedIn, so you make it a bit professional as well. <laughs> he didn't tell them, go and why don't you expose everything that my, uh, my brothers has done, have done. I mean, it's 23 years of slavery. I might as well have my go at them, right? He didn't do this. And yet, many times, many times, when someone hurts us, we want to make it quite... Uh, Plain and visible. Want to expose rather than build up. This is because this is what is in our nature many times. You've heard me, I want someone to know about it because in this way I feel like some of my pain is, I don't know, healed, even though that this is a lie. Now, when we deal with conflict, we don't deal with conflict in, on Facebook. Okay? I, I've seen many, many people, couples and stuff, when one of them does something wrong, you make sure that. He's on Facebook. Everyone knows. I mean, I know, I know many things about many people on Facebook. I know what their kids were. I know what they ate for breakfast, lunch, and everything. I know where they went in their holiday. I know when the husband or the wife did something wrong because they're there on Facebook. So you know everything. But these things shouldn't really happen in, in, when we deal with conflict. You don't deal with conflict in front of 2,000 friends on Facebook. This is not the way things should go because you don't build up anyone. You just expose someone's weakness. And this is what Joseph did. In Romania, we have a word that says, dirty clothes must be washed at home. So if I have beef with someone, or if I've done something, I will not go and just make sure that 7.2 billion people know about it. I'll just deal with him one-on-one or with them. And this is what Joseph did. When we reveal our hearts, when we express our feelings, when we express our pain, when we go to someone who hurt us, we tell them one-on-one. Because the aim of dealing with conflict is reconciliation at exposing the people. We need to build up rather than expose. We are there to win them, not to lose them, not to have our go at them, not to avenge ourselves or anything. We need to win someone. And Joseph did this because he did want to win his brothers. Joseph created an environment in which he chose to be vulnerable and open about his feelings. He didn't want to play the strong leader uh, role anymore. He, He chose to go back to his roots. He started to speak Hebrew again. He said, guys, it's me. I'm Joseph. This is who I am, all of me. I've been hurt. Probably they express their feeling. We know they cried together. 
and they did this, but it was all in an environment where everyone would feel safe and where he was himself. Because many times we try to play the strong people when someone hurts us. Nothing can touch me. I'm strong enough. I, I'm, I'm okay on my own. And then Joseph said, I will be vulnerable. I'll expose everything that I am, my identity. I'll speak again the language. I'll go back to my roots. I'll humble myself. Even though you should be the ones that apologize to me, yet I'll open my heart and say, guys, this is what happened. And he dealt with conflict. So when we reveal our hearts, create the environment when it's between you and that person that there is conflict, the ones that have wronged you. And then also do not play any strong personal role. Just, just be genuine and be yourself and de- deal with conflict. Second thing, we need to learn to release those who wronged us. Because Joseph says to his brothers, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. So he reveals his heart, he creates that perfect environment, and yet he doesn't wait for his brothers to come crawling down at his knees, at his feet, and kiss his feet and say, our brother, please forgive us. And sometimes we tend to do this, because if someone has wronged me, I will just sit and wait for them to come and say, look, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, or whatever. But Joseph didn't wait for them to make the first step. He took the initiative and he made the first step in dealing with the conflict of his brothers. And he said, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Because he knew that once he revealed his true identity, once they understood that he is alive, they would feel shame. They would feel guilt. They would feel like we're awful. And in a way, they would be right, but Joseph wanted to make sure that they would not carry that burden of guilt and shame on them anymore. And what we learn from this is that if someone has wronged us, I will still make the first step. I will not wait for them to make that first step. I will be the first one to seek reconciliation. I'll be the first one to remove the elephant in the room. Because a safe environment means that you take away all the guilt and shame. When we seek to be reconciled, we don't want to point out the, the bad things that they've done. We express our feelings, yes, but the point of expressing our feelings is to win the people. And Joseph did this as well. He wanted to release those. He said, guys, you did wrong, but please, let's get over it. I am not here to judge. I'm not here to point out your, uh, your weaknesses. Joseph wasn't in the hinting business, as we often do. Because he, he could have said something like, uh, guys, you don't have to apologize for all the wrong things you've done. I'm good. I mean, yes, I've been humiliated because of you. I've endured pain and suffering because of you. Yes, I might have slept in a dungeon for only 23 years. I lived away from my dad just 23 years again because of you. But I don't want to make such a big thing about it. You know, I just don't worry. You don't have to apologize. Um, just forget what I said. You know, like, let's not. No, he didn't do these things. He didn't want to send that little arrow so they are aware. So, guys, you did so many things to me. Uh, and we often do this. We want the people who hurt us to make sure that they know they hurt us. But what's the point in just them knowing if we don't seek reconciliation? And then Joseph removed the elephant in the room, and therefore he released them, released the burden that they were carrying of guilt and shame. And this is what we do. If we have been hurt, we have to do this as well. And there are things, there are some things that are between you and God, but this is not one of them. And this is important. When someone has wronged you, you, you can come to church, and the, let's say Adam has wronged me. I come and say, God, I forgive Adam. That I release him of everything he's done to me. And that he doesn't know anything about it, it's quite useless. My prayer is also a bit useless, if I may say, because I can say the right things to God, but if Adam doesn't know I forgave him, if Adam doesn't know I've released him of any guilt and shame, he will always be, in a way, bound up by the chains of guilt and shame. And Joseph didn't just take it between him and God, he took it between him and his brothers. If there's conflict in your life with someone, you take it to that person. 
we can pray and we can worship God, but we need to uh, deal with, the, with our problems with that person as well. Thirdly, rethink. Joseph said, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So, it was not you who sent me, but God. Joseph acknowledged God's sovereignty and he understood the mission that God had for him. It was not you who sent me here, but God. When I went to Romania just some weeks ago, uh, my father wanted to introduce to me his girlfriend. Uh, I mean, his girlfriend is like, she could be like my mother and stuff. So he wants to, uh, it's not a, just a young lady, okay? So I'm, I meet with her, she's on the phone, Brad, let's meet. So I go with my girlfriend, we meet for a coffee. And, but before I even sit down, so before I even sit down, uh, she's like, Vlad, meet your new father. And I was like, okay, what's, like, what's a new father? It's like, he'll stop drinking from now on. You see, we only have alcohol-free beer, so he no longer drink alcohol ever in his life. He'll not, not get drunk again. You know, he loves you so much. He always talks about you and your sister. He always talks about you. He always wants to call him. Uh, I hope you forgive him for what he's done to you. I hope you don't bear any grudge against him and don't judge him for his life because anyone can change. So I was waiting for her to breathe, you know. <laughs> I was waiting for her to breathe that, that little gap of like half a second. And then when she did, I intervened quickly because I said, okay, I didn't even have time to order something or a coffee because she was already going at me. <laughs> Speaking of someone who has an agenda, you know. So she stopped somehow. And then, and then I, uh, I tell her, look, I understand what you're saying, and I understand where you're coming from, but my father knows very well that I love him very, very much. Whatever he did in his life, it will never change my, my love for him. And he knows that very well. My father was really quiet, and that's unusual. Because in terms of personality, I'm like my father. So it's unusual for me to just keep quiet, you know? I have to speak, so my father was doing that. So that was interesting enough as a... But... I told her, look, I don't bear any grudge against my father. From your perspective, you might think that I judge my father for the wrongs he's done, that I blame him for the wrongs he's done, and that if I would have the opportunity, I would change some of the decisions he took uh, for myself. But I told her, I would never do this. It's not only that I'm okay with being left, with my father being gangster and going to prison 17 years in an orphanage. It's not just I'm only okay, I'm happy. I'm content that this happened. Why? Because otherwise, I would have never met God, first of all. I mean, God can do anything, but if I would follow another path, who knows what could have happened. I would have never been who I am today. I would have never been through some of the things I've been through. And I would never serve God the way I serve Him today. So you might see this as bad decisions from him and my mom. People see their decision as being something awful. She was even going like, oh, I'll never leave my children. And my father was there. I can't, I can't, I don't know, only try to imagine. Never say this to someone, okay? If, if you, if I with someone who left their kids, do not, do, do not ever say, oh, if I would never leave my kids. I know you wouldn't, I wouldn't, but we sometimes don't really know the circumstances in which these things happen. So I told her, look, for me, this is a good thing. And let me tell you something else I told her. Alcohol free doesn't save anyone. A color free beer does not change anyone either. Plus, it's never on my shopping list because I'd rather have the real thing, you know? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and, that, and that shook her both a bit because, because she, knows I, <laughs> she knows I preach and stuff. And she's ex- people think about some of the things. They have some preconceptions. So she thought that I, probably, that I, I don't drink alcohol. I thought I, I actually don't like alcohol-free beer. I never get drunk, obviously, but... I, 
I want to shake her both because the way people think makes them act in a certain way. So they have certain expectations. Her expectations from me was to judge my father, to maybe not love him, to maybe never speak to him. And she was a bit shocked when I told her, I'm happy that these things happened. And most importantly, God was aware of it. God is so, he knows everything. So it's not like, oh, Vlad's dad took a bad decision. Quick, let's do it. Let's make a committee. There's an urgency. We never expected that. No way. And Joseph said, guys, you did not send me here, but God sent me here. And he acknowledged God's sovereignty over his life. No matter the circumstances, he knew that all things were together. For those that are called upon to, according to God's purposes and love God. And Joseph knew this, even though he didn't read Romans said back then. But he somehow knew this in his life. And second thing Joseph understood when, he, when, we, when we speak about rethinking, so we think differently, is that he also had a mission. Because he says, I am here to save for your remnant on earth. Guys, it's not only that God sent me here and it wasn't you, but I also have the mission to save you, to save your lives. Because they came because there was no food, so Joseph gave them food and everything. So Joseph understood that there is a mission even in, in the hard times. He understood that there is a mission even for those that he is in conflict with, namely his brothers. Those who wanted to sell him, who, who wanted to kill him, basically, he's the one that saves them. They were saved by the ones he wanted to kill. See how, how different Joseph thought now. When we say rethink, as the ones have been wrong, see conflict as opportunity. See conflict, see hurt as an opportunity to save someone, to speak to someone about God, to tell someone about the great things that God has done. And if they take the blame on themselves, say, don't worry, God was still in control. I don't want you to take the blame on the shame. God is in control of all things, and this is a good thing that happened. And this is what Joseph did. When we rethink, we think differently, and we don't moan. That's the other thing. Joseph could have moaned. Like, I mean, 23 years, I can't even imagine, you know, like 23 years. But his brothers, the ones he loved, and he chose not to mourn or complain. Because that's a negative emotion. That's a negative attitude. And he was a winner. And as we spoke before, he had a mentality of a winner. He was a victor. And he didn't let the circumstances dictate what he would do and his feelings or anything like this. So Joseph knew how to rethink and see th- things from God's perspective. First of all, acknowledge God's sovereignty. Secondly, acknowledge God's mission for his life to save his brothers in that, in that case. And fourthly, if you are the one that has been wronged, uh, restore. Joseph did restore. But he restored the relationship, then also emotionally, but even more than that, he also said to them, uh, come to Egypt, and I'll give you the best piece of land in Egypt, and you'll be close to me, I'll be close to you, and I'll take care of you for the rest of your lives. This is what, that, what Joseph did. Again, the victim, again, the one that has been wrong, again, the one that has been in slavery for 23 years, because of those he was about to save, because of those he was about to provide for, because of those he was about to bless for the rest of their lives. So when we're in conflict with someone, it's not only uh, about dealing with that conflict or restoring relationships, but we go the extra step and we bless and serve them as well. This is what Joseph did. He didn't have to, obviously. No one would have said he's a bad Christian if he didn't do it, because he did serve the issues. But Probably, if, <laughs> it's what Jesus says, take the extra mile. Not only do what you have to, but go more than this. So Joseph gave them the best. The best he had in the land of Egypt, the best of his heart. You know, the kiss and, you know, kissing in that culture shows affection and restoration of relationships and everything. They hugged, they spent time together. And Joseph said, I'll, I'll get over the hurt. I know you've hurt me because you acknowledge. Guys, I know you sent me in Egypt. I, I will not pretend you didn't. But I'm okay with it because God was in control of everything. And I'm going to bless you now. 
I'm going to take the extra further step. I'm going to provide for, for everything you need for the rest of your lives. So the four things, if we have been wronged, we have to do, reveal your heart and feelings. Just share what you feel. It's okay. Then release them. After you've shared, don't let them bear the guilt and shame. So I release you of the things you've done to me. We're okay. Chill. Then rethink. So think, see conflict and see hurt from God's perspective. Acknowledge God's sovereignty and acknowledge God's mission for your life. And then restore, bless and serve those that have wronged you. Even Jesus says, love your enemy. I hope that you don't have enemies that wrong you. And I hope you don't consider your spouse or children as enemies. But restore, bless and serve those that have wronged you. The second type uh, of, of person involved in a conflict are those that are the offenders. In this case, the offenders are Joseph's brothers. His brothers were dismayed and terrified at his presence. All of a sudden, when Joseph reveals, guys, this is me, I'm Joseph, they were like, whoa, that's unexpected. I mean, I didn't expect that. So his brothers were terrified at his presence. And there are two things I want us to learn from their attitude. First of all, hold your tongue, because it says his brothers could not answer him. When he revealed, guys, I'm the one you've sent to slavery for 23 years, they, they just kept quiet. They just... They just shut up, you know? That's what they did. And sometimes when we do something wrong to someone, our first instinct is to find excuses. So I didn't really mean to, or I didn't expect that. Sometimes the best thing and the wisest thing to do when you are in conflict with someone, you've wronged someone, is just to keep quiet. Just let them speak or give them a moment or just don't say anything. The best thing we can do sometimes is to just not say anything at all. And that is something I, I need to learn because I talk a lot. And many times I have, I have an answer for everything or as I try to have, even if it's the wrong answer, I still have an answer, you know? <laughs> so so I, 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 in, my, in my personality, I want to find excuses for everything I'm doing. If I say a bad joke, the first thing I say after I did, I'm, I'm just joking. Or if I say something to someone where there is a hint of truth in what I say, if I see that they're offended, I'll say I just joked. So I'm always like, I'm always on the winning side. But that's not, that's not good. That's really bad. And the first thing we need to do is to hold our tongues. His brothers could not answer him. Their reaction shows that they understood what they've done to him. And they didn't jump to say, oh, I didn't mean to, it was this one, no, it was that one, it was this one. Uh, one of his brothers could have said, but I tried to save you. And yet, what was the brother's name? Reuben. Reuben could have said, you know, I actually tried to save you, but even he kept quiet. And they were all together in this, and they said, look, we've done wrong, and you basically acknowledge what they've done. There's this verse that Jesus speaks about in Matthew. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift Reconciliation precedes worship. Reconciliation precedes worship. Expressing adoration towards God while, have, while not dealing with conflict, it's hypocrisy. When we express our adoration to God and yet there are unfinished business with other people in our lives, it's, it's a bit hypocritical, if I may say. Because I can come to God and express all the love I have for Him. And yet Jesus says, first, this shows priority. This shows number one. The most important things you do is to reconcile and then come and offer your gift. Then come and give your gift to God. Then come and worship. Then come and be at church. And if there are things in our lives, if there are names that come to your mind right now, 
of course, God forgives and there is grace. Maybe, maybe this week it's time for you to deal with some of these unfinished issues. When we have wronged someone, we go to them and we create that environment. We say, look, I've done wrong. I, I don't want, have anything to say in, the, in my defense. I'm not here to be my own lawyer. I'm just here to say, please forgive me. I'm sorry. Because Jesus, this is what Jesus teaches us. First, be reconciled, then worship. Reconciliation must precede worship all the time. Second thing, approach those you've wronged. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. They came near. Because Joseph had already created that environment when they, they were already not feeling shame and guilt anymore. And they, they made the step as well to go near them. And when we wrong someone, our, our first reaction, to be honest, is to run away. Because we've done something wrong, we don't want to be caught, and therefore we run. Think about Adam and Eve. The first time men sinned, what was their first reaction? Did they go to God and ask for forgiveness? No. They tried to hide in a bush from God. And then God comes in and says, guys, where are you? I mean, obviously, he knew where they are, but he was testing them. And they say, we have sinned against them, we are ashamed. And that shame, that made them cover themselves. And sometimes when we do wrong things, we try to hide away and cover what we've done. But reconciliation says, I approach that person and I'm exposed. Look, I've, this is what I've done. I'm ashamed of it. I'm sorry for it. But I, still, I'm going to make the step of coming close to you and the knowledge and confess what I've done to you. And his brothers did this. They came near him. They didn't just run away. They could have. Some people might have said, well, I'd rather starve than uh, face 23 years of horrors that my brothers went through. And yet they did come near him. They did approach him. And they were humble and vulnerable with him as well. So, if you are the one who has wronged someone, first of all, hold your tongue. Just wait and listen. Just see what's happening. Try to, I don't know, understand what's going on in the atmosphere in that moment. Because sometimes you can really feel pain and the second thing, approach them. Do not cover yourself. Do not try to find excuses. Just be vulnerable and say, look, I've done this. I'm sorry. I hope we can restore our relationship again. And the third type of person that is involved in a conflict, we know there's the offended one, Joseph. There's the offender brothers. But sometimes and many times, there is what I want to call collateral damage. And in our case, collateral damage is... Their, their father, Jacob. Jacob, their father, was the collateral damage because, because of the conflict that was between Joseph and his brothers. For 23 years, 23 years, Jacob believed that his favorite son, Joseph, was dead. 23 years. These were 23 years in which Joseph's brothers, Jacob's sons, didn't mention a word about what they had done. This is 23 years in which Jacob lived in a, an illusion, delusion. He believed as truth something that wasn't true. And his sons didn't do anything about it. They just let him there. And, Joseph, and, and Jacob was hurt. Joseph was collateral damage for what happened between his brothers and, and, uh, between the brothers and Jacob. And it says in uh, 27, 28, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Jacob said, it is enough. My son is alive. I will go and see him before I die. He says that his spirit revived. 
And the first thing, if we are collateral damage, revive, come back to life again. The spirit of their father Jacob revived. All of a sudden when he discovered that actually he has been living a lie for 23 years, his spirit revived, which tells us something as well, that his spirit was sort of dead for 23 years, that he was emotionally drained of joy for 23 years, that he had no, no desire probably to live for 23 years, that he believed a lie that probably made him stay in, in the house, probably he was in depression for 23 years, he was hurt, he was mourning his son Joseph for 23 years. And his sons, so Joseph's brothers, come to him and say, imagine, imagine that. When you come and say, you know, actually I've been lying to you. We have been lying to you. We're all together in this for 23 years. And his father had said they could, he could not believe them. I mean, 23 years of living in a lie and someone says, we're actually with, no. I just joked. I didn't mean to, you know. And the first reaction, I, I, I don't believe you guys. I mean, don't mess up with me. That's real stuff. Don't just joke about it. And then finally, when they told him, look, this is what Joseph said. He's the Lord over all Egypt. He's ruler with, with Pharaoh, even for Pharaoh in many ways. He was administrating everything in Egypt. And then when they showed to Jacob that Joseph sent stuff, he finally believed. And his spirit revived. And the second thing is to restart. Israel, Jacob says, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go to see him before I die. First of all, come back to life. If, there's, if you are collateral damage, and this happens most of the times between two parents that have, maybe there was a divorce in a way, and then the children, inevitably, they are collateral damage. It's what happens. And I know, and I, I just read, because my parents were not even married, so I, I never say, oh, I'm guilty because they separated I was too young for that. But I read that many, many children, when their parents divorce, they feel like it's their fault. If, and even some of the older ones, if in your past there has been some <laughs> divorce maybe between your parents, it is not your fault. And I'm saying this because I am in a way collateral damage because of all the issues my mom had, my father, with my grandmother, and so on. It was weird, really weird. And me and my sister are collateral damage. We didn't choose it to happen. We didn't want it to happen. It wasn't our fault. Okay, okay, I'll go to prison because of blood. So no, no, there's nothing about this. We just had to go through things because of the decisions our parents took. And collateral damage, sometimes those people are the ones that hurt, are hurt maybe even more than those who have been wronged. And when you are in conflict with someone, it may not be divorced, and I hope it's not, but if, if there is anything, think about the third parties. Think about if at work you are in conflict with a coworker or with your boss. Someone might hear you. And someone might be hurt. There are triggers in all of our lives that take us back to our past. And when we do think, if I see someone arguing, in my heart it does trigger something. And all of a sudden I feel like I, I want to cry and I want to like hide. And I, I discovered this in my life. When I hear someone arguing, I hate arguing. I mean, I do, I do confrontation, but arguing with anger and stuff, for me, it's like, why? Why do we have to do this? And if you are collateral damage, no. First of all, that is not your fault. And then choose to live again. You have the whole life ahead of you. God has a plan for your life. Restart. Step up again. It's not your fault. 
God is in control of all things. Nothing that our, our parents do or our friends or you do cannot surprise God. And when we are collateral damage, we think and we take it upon ourselves, as Jacob did for 23 years. And yet when he discovered the truth, he revived and said, I will go, I will make the decision to step up again. Adam, could you join me? The spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. And then he said, it is enough. I will go. And when we're dealing with conflict, there are four things I want us to think about and, and do. First of all, there needs to be a conviction of the wrong things that happen. First of all, I'm a conviction that I've been wronged, so I know this is true, someone has wronged me. But if you are the one who has wronged someone, you need to know that you did it. And it's okay. Know it, but after that, there needs to be a confrontation. And by confrontation, I don't mean the aggressive way of confronting, okay? We just go to them and also confess. And say, this is what happened. I'll not run away from what happened. I'll come to you and say, look, you've done this to me. It, it did hurt me. I hope we can be reconciled. Or, I've done this to you. Maybe you really didn't mean it to. I said, I didn't mean to. But I know I've wronged you. I know I've hurt you. I hope we can be reconciled. And then we commit. We commit to never do that again. We commit that our relationship will be a good one. Maybe not a perfect one, but I'll commit to always have that environment where I'll create a, a sense of releasing of the guilt and the shame that someone feels. If you are the one who has been wronged for many, many years, do what Joseph did. First of all, take it between you and that person. First of all. Secondly, you need to create the environment where you release them of shame and guilt. Thirdly, rethink. See this as opportunities. See this as a mission from God and the knowledge God's sovereignty and hand over everything that happens in your life. And then restore, bless them, serve them. You have, if you are the one who have, has wronged someone, just keep quiet for a while and then go to them, approach them and just deal with issues. And if you are collateral damage, maybe it's time for you to step up again. Maybe it's time for you to re, you have your spirit reviving once again and restart because you have the rest of your life ahead of you. And when we think about God, this is what it says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God, Jesus Christ, gave us the ministry, so the job, the mission of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We as God's children have the mission and the message of reconciliation. But how can we go to someone and say, God wants to be reconciled to you, you need to know Jesus, if there are unsolved issues in our lives. If you are broken, how can you go to someone? And yet in many ways, we are always work in progress. None of us is perfect. But at least I'm going to try to deal with issues. I'm going to restore the relationship with my parents. And I'm telling you, with my father and my mom, we are really, really good. We always chat, always often chat, because I'm not the kind of who keeps in contact like every day. I don't feel like I need to report everything I'm doing. But it's okay, because I understand that God was with me. And if you maybe as well feel like you're away from God, Maybe you feel like today is the day that you should be reconciled to God. You have been a Christian for so many years or just have become a Christian. You feel like in the last months or last season you have been away from God. 
God says this, I will no longer count your trespasses against you. And as Joseph did with his brothers, God will release you of any shame and guilt and give you grace and love and acceptance. This is what God does with us. He wants us to be reconciled to himself again because he loves us so much. He's not surprised about what you've done, trust me. There's nothing you can do that can make God love you less. As I love my father, no matter what he will do, and I will trust that God will intervene in his life and change him forever. But for you right now, if you're away from God, if you feel like you have backslidden, and you feel like the prodigal son just took advantage of all the goods that have been in God's house, and then you went and did your thing, the father is still waiting with arms wide open for you to come back to his heart, for you to come back to your, to your father in his family and give him, bless you, throw a party for you, give you another cloak and a ring on your finger to show you I accept you. We're, we're cool. It's okay. What happened is in the past to no longer linger in the past, but restart and revive. It's time for you to live for me once again. It's time for you to devote your life and commit your life to the mission I have for you. And there's a calling and the mission that God has for each one of us in this place. And I mean each one of us in this place. And if there are many things in relationships that you have, maybe there are stuff that you need to deal with this week, I would say think about while we sing this last song. Ask God to show you maybe some of the relationships you need to deal with, some of the conflicts you need to deal with. Let God show you and maybe this week starting with tomorrow right after you get out of this place call someone either express what you feel or say look I've done all these things I want to be reconciled with you and use this as an opportunity to speak to them about God because God is great but know this no matter what you've done God has new beginnings for you new life God has the best and the best as (laughs) as Brian Houston says the best is yet to come And that is true for all of us as Christians because God is in charge of our lives. So let's sing this song and let's let the words that I've said maybe soak in a bit and see what God has to say to you.